What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Uh, here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode dealing with anything and everything from relationship advice to prayer, the interior life, to morality, spirituality, evangelization, catechesis, discipleship, dogma, the list goes on. I will then spend time with your questions and try to respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to grow in holiness, for you to grow in virtue. However, the disclaimer is this, I'm not perfect. And so every now and then my advice to you might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, I wanna give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. However, if my advice is helpful though difficult, then I really wanna encourage you to lean into Christ in scripture and in prayer and in the sacraments and in his people so that the Lord can give you the graces that you might need to fulfill the demands of discipleship in your walk toward eternity. If you're a first time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions and or comments and or critiques, feedback from previous episodes or for future episodes at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes. This is really important because it helps other people find out about the show. So if you rate us on iTunes and our other podcasts formats if the show is a gift for you potentially it could become a gift for other people as well and please also share us on your social media pages facebook instagram twitter etc and if you would like you can also pre-order my new book pocket guide adoration it is available for order at essentialpress.com and on amazon.com as well we have the winner um, from that uh, that text message thing that we did a while back and it's supposed to be announced today uh, but I can't find the name of the winner so uh, I, I guess I'll announce it uh, soon but you're out there the one who won you are out there uh, and you're gonna find out and be notified that you won the copy of my book all right so on today's show speaking of the Eucharist uh, we're gonna talk about the topic of how do we explain the Eucharist to a child um, also, what about a grandparent who wants to baptize their grandchild because the mother and father of that child don't intend on uh, bringing that child to God to be baptized in the church? And also, what about fear? Like, how do I understand fear as it is written in many scriptures in the Bible, specifically fear of the Lord? Uh, but before we get into uh, those, those questions uh, we're going to uh, jump into a, a glory story. All right, so my glory story this week, it's uh, just in the gift of the scriptures, the gift of the word of God, the Bible. You know, I, uh, oh, man, this week I got food poisoning. And so I was out of commission. I had food poisoning and the food poisoning led me to become dehydrated. You can imagine why I was dehydrated, like what was happening with my body for me to be dehydrated from the food poison. And, and so from the dehydration, I had like a terrible migraine and my body was aching and I don't know if I had the flu. I don't know what was going on. But uh, long story short, uh, it was very difficult for me to pray well. 
it was very difficult for me to be attentive to the Lord in prayer because I was experiencing uh, the pain from the migraine and from the hunger and from the dehydration. And so uh, what my saving grace was uh, whenever I was experiencing that pain uh, was was the scriptures. I, I couldn't meditate on them. I could not contemplate, but I could sit with them and read the word of God, read the, the prayers, the Psalms from the breviary, read the scriptures that the church had given me in the daily mass readings and in the breviary. And, and that's all I could do, but it, it's, it's, it's the best I could do. And it was, it was good enough for the Lord. And so I was just so grateful for the word of God. You know, whenever I couldn't um, come up with words to, to, to say to the Lord, I just read the Psalms and the, 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 the Lord, the Lord spoke and, and the, that word um, for me because I had nothing I could say myself. And so I, I was just so grateful. I became so grateful this past week for the gift of the liturgy of the hours and the gift of the daily mass readings and the scriptures because, uh, yeah, they were just, they were my, my rock whenever I was not able to, to, apply Lexio Divina or to, to spend an hour before the Blessed Sacrament because I was constantly running to the bathroom. Um, so that would be my glory story is that in the midst of my stuff, uh, the Lord was with me and specifically he was very much with me in his word. So uh, yeah, if you are struggling with prayer right now, if you're struggling with what's going on in your life, you just sit with the word. If you don't have the words to say, the, the word of God will give you the words. Just use his words for prayer. Um, and then also too, just to acknowledge, I became so much aware also um, of of the reality of so many people out there in my parish who also just have crazy lives and who come to Mass and who are all over the place. And it's very difficult for them to be attentive into what's happening in the in the liturgy and to, and to, to worship God with all of their heart and mind and soul because they're all over the place with their kids uh, and they're they're taking care of their sick parents. And, and so it just, uh, it also helps me being sick this week and being in that that place where I had every intention to be attentive to God, but just really, um, even my best, I couldn't be. Uh, and I was like, man, wow, how many people experience this every Sunday at Mass? How many people experience this during the week of prayer? And so I was able to, to intercede for them as well and pray for them and what they were going through. But yeah, anyways, that's the glory story is God bless you, Jesus. <laughs> Can you say that? God bless you, Jesus. I can say, I bless you, Jesus. I speak well of your name, O Lord. Uh, you're so good to me. Thank you for your word. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Mother Church, for giving us the Bible. That's what I could say. Thank you, Church, for giving us the word of God, the word inscribed the sacred scriptures. All right. <laughs> now let's get into some feedback from previous episodes. First feedback comes in from Amanda V. Amanda says this, Hi, Father Josh. I saw the email from Ascension about your soon-to-be-released pocket guide to adoration. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know something, something. Whenever I see that word, I'm so excited. I think about the TV show Saved by the Bell, whenever Jesse, uh, who had the curly hair, uh, was was uh, taking the pills because she was trying to stay up for class, I think, for studying. And, and she was like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Oh, man, that was such a dramatic episode. So anyway, shout out to Saved by the Bell, to Zach and to Kelly and to Lisa Turtle uh, and to AC Slater and to Mr. Is it Mr. Bell? Mr. Belding? Mr. Bell, whatever the name was. Uh, and of course, who could forget Screech? Uh, so that whole, and Jesse, who 
saying, I'm so excited. I'm so excited and I cannot wait to learn from you about this as I've been pondering this lately, wondering how to best use my time. It is also a good compliment to the video that Father Mark Mary and Mother uh, Claire posted recently. Yeah, praise God. I love when different resources overlap. Your pocket guide would be a great way to go deeper into the topic, Amanda V. Thank you so much, Amanda. Yeah, I pray that my book um, helps you and, and everyone else who spends time with it to just fall more in love with Jesus and to 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 console his heart. Oh man, I, I really do hope that it's a gift for you and, and it helps you to become a saint. Uh, that's my 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 prayer is that it bears supernatural fruit. So let's pray for that together. Also, we have some feedback coming in this week from Amanda M. Amanda M writes this: Hey Father Josh, I've got a two-part glory story for you. I've been wrestling with prayer lately. As a creator Catholic, I fell into the comfortable old habit of just listing off people in my life, my husband, my children, requests for myself, things I'm thankful for. I knew my heart wasn't in it and I was only going through the motions. I started to doubt and question myself. How should I be praying? What should I even be praying for? While reading the Gospel of Matthew a few weeks ago, I found the Our Father. Of course, I already knew the prayer, but this time I heard him. In praying, do not heap up empty phrases. Pray then like this. So I have. Anytime I feel called to prayer but don't really know what to say, I go with the Our Father. One afternoon in the car, I just kept slowly repeating it over and over. I I ended up in tears. It was a truly beautiful moment with the Lord. Cut to yesterday, I was listening to some random Christian playlist on Apple Music. It was mostly the same old praise and worship, but then this new song came on. Nothing Else by Cody Carn. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been praying with that song. Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. And nothing else. Boom. And nothing else. Uh, nothing else will do. I just want you. Hey. Anyways, yeah. So I've been praying with that lately too. It was one of the songs at Focus Conference this year at the SLS Conference. So back to you. So my heart skipped a beat. It was like the whole world went quiet and I could only hear these words. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. Oh, how's it go? I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything you can do. I just want you. Oh, yes. When the song ended, I perceived A very clear call to adoration. I'm working on planning a specific time to spend with Jesus. Thank you for your ministry, Father Josh. I truly believe there's much supernatural fruit coming from your podcast. God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful day today, Amanda. Yeah, man, I'm just grateful that you remind me of how much much I love that song. That is such a good song. Yeah, I've been praying with that song, too, uh, lately. Uh, So, yeah, thank you so much, Amanda. I I hope that you and Jesus have some great date nights together uh, in the future. Okay, well... Let's go ahead and get into today's show. The 
Okay, first question comes in about baptizing a grandchild. This question comes in from Shannon. Shannon writes this, Hi, Father Josh. Thank you so much for your priesthood and your ministry via this podcast. It has been so encouraging to me and many friends too. So here's my question. My oldest daughter is married to a very nice Jewish man and now has a one-year-old baby boy. Uh, for a while, she was attending a non-denominational church, but now is not going to church at all, and they have not baptized the baby. I asked her once if she would consider baptism, and she said she would think about it. That was months ago, and she hasn't brought it up again. Do you have any suggestions for how I can encourage her to come back to church and baptize the baby? My husband and I are heartbroken about this. A friend said I should take some holy water and baptize the baby myself the next time I go to see them. Should I consider doing this? I would appreciate any words of wisdom that you might have. Oh, yeah, Shannon, your question is a question I, I hear quite often from many grandparents who are disciples of Jesus and who who understand the sacraments and who just want their kids to to live in the grace of the sacraments and to raise their kids in a relationship with Jesus Christ in the context of the church that he founded 2,000 years ago. So you have great desires here and a really good question that I think will resonate with many of our, our, our listeners. Um, so, uh, yeah, the first thing I just want to encourage you to do is just to pray. The best thing you can do right now is to pray for your daughter and to pray for her husband and to pray for your grandchild, your one-year-old grandchild, to pray and to fast and offer up sacrifices. Your prayers are efficacious and trust our names to different closer communities of religious sisters um, and also monasteries who spend uh, specifically a lot of time in prayer interceding for the sanctification of the world. We have no idea how much supernatural fruit can come from our prayers and the prayers of other members of the body of Christ and also and trust your daughter, your your daughter's husband, and your grandchild to some specific saints. Um, ask some specific saints to begin to intercede for them um, uh, for their walk toward eternity. The second thing I would recommend is that you have a conversation with your with your daughter about this. Again, like it, it's it's not um, it's not a bad thing to just bring it up in conversation uh, and ask specifically for the gift of tongues. So that you can only say that which God wants you to say and ask the Holy Spirit to give her the gift of interpretation of tongues so that she can only hear that which is best for her to hear in your conversation together. And just share your heart. Like I say, look, as your mom, this is really important. Um, And and what I honestly think is a lot of people don't understand the sacrament of baptism because for many years, a lot of people have had really terrible catechesis and PSR and in religious education, parish school, religion, Sunday school, whatever you want to call it, in Catholic school and Catholic education, um, sometimes the sacraments have really been taught in a poor way. Um, and so sometimes whenever I share the gift of the church with with young adults who have their children, they say, I never knew that about baptism. I never knew that about confirmation. I never knew that's what we believed about the Eucharist or what we believed about our Blessed Mother or what we believe about confession. And so we can't assume that just because our kids went to Catholic school or went to PSR or went to religious education, the people who were teaching religion in Catholic school or the, the, the volunteers who were teaching at uh, Sunday school or PSR, religious education, knew what they were talking about because sometimes it's just really nice people who are good people who are giving their time to the church but they were never actually formed in theology Um, and so they say things that aren't true and sometimes whenever we hear things that aren't true we naturally resist and we pull away from and so maybe it's time to reintroduce your daughter to the truth of the Catholic Church. Uh, Ascension Press has a really great resource that Father Mike Schmitz came out with a um, for, for, for baptism 
it's a program on baptism. You might want to just share that with your daughter and say, hey, look, on your own time, you might want to watch these videos. Or when you come over here, we could watch them together and have a conversation. Uh, there's a really good book, uh, Unabridged Christianity, by Father Mario Romero. And he has a really great section on infant baptism specifically and the scriptural roots of infant baptism and also um, where it can be seen in the um, teachings of the early church fathers. But he also ties it to the Old Testament, to, Old Testament, to Judaism to the, the new infant boy being circumcised on the eighth day, which Jesus was as well. And it was a responsibility on the faith of the parents that this child was circumcised. And so um, I think his book might also be helpful for your uh, son-in-law as well to be able to see that there are a lot of connections between Judaism and Catholicism. As far as you administering the sacrament of baptism, I would not recommend you do so unless it is an emergency. Uh, the ordinary minister of the sacrament of baptism is the bishop, the priest, the deacon. However, lay people can baptize in the case of an emergency. And so unless there is an emergency happening, I wouldn't recommend that you do that um, because it would be best for your, your daughter to be involved, right, in the formation of her child. Um, and so whenever uh, parents come to baptism and prep, they, they promise that they're going to be active and they're going to share the faith with their child and they're going to live the faith. And so if those promises aren't being made, um, then it, it, would be a, an, it would be a valid baptism if you baptized with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but it would be illicit. And we would like for the child to receive a valid and illicit baptism, um, if at all possible. Uh, so I definitely would not propose that you um, do that um, um, outside of your daughter's permission and outside of her committing to actually raising the child as a disciple of Jesus Christ in the sacramental life of the Catholic Church. Uh, and so there's also a few canons uh, that, that talk about what is necessary for a baby to be baptized licitly uh, in the Code of Canon Law, which is this really cool book that some people think is boring, but it's actually really important because it helps us to know um, the ways in which uh, we can walk safely toward eternity. And in Canon 868, uh, one of the things that we read about what it takes for a baptism to be licit is that the parents, or at least one of them, uh, must give their consent. <laughs> and so if you do this without your daughter's consent, it will be an illicit baptism. There also needs to be a founded hope that the infant will be brought up in the Catholic religion. And so if your daughter and her Jewish husband won't do that, then it will be illicit. It will still be valid, but it will be illicit. Um, uh, and so and the baptism ought to be delayed according to the precepts, precepts of the particular law after the parents have been advised about the reason. Uh, and also it shouldn't be done unless it's like there's a danger of death happening, right, um, by you uh, specifically. And so this is where God's inviting you to surrender and to trust that he will come through, that he will come through in his will and his way and his time for the sanctification of of your grandchild, that he will do this. Um, and, and maybe your conversation will be a part of what draws this to happen um, in the long run. So, yes, I would not recommend that you do this unless it is an emergency uh, unless it is uh, a life or death situation. Um, otherwise, uh, I would recommend that you pray, that you fast, that you invite other people to pray and offer their sacrifices and that you have a conversation and just accompany them, accompany them, walk with them, however long it may take. You know, sometimes we just it takes people a while to come around and she may reject you in the beginning uh, and not receive your invitation uh, well. And if that's the case, then don't give up, persevere and be persistent in a very non-annoying way, uh, but like be persistent and just continue to pray fast and have that conversation uh, when at all possible. So 
do not be afraid, my friend. Do not be afraid and trust that I specifically will add this to my prayers of intercession with the liturgy of the hours um, for this baptism to take place. Because with baptism, what happens is obviously First um, Peter chapter three verse twenty one: salvation. The baby is born again. Baby becomes a member of the body of Jesus Christ. Baby receives charisms, supernatural um, gifts that they can share then with all of us to become disciples of Jesus Christ. There's so many awesome things that happen at baptism. The child becomes a beloved son or beloved daughter of God the Father for all eternity. An indelible mark is put on the, the soul that is there forever and ever and ever, right? So, yeah, I definitely want baptism to happen. Uh, so I'm going to pray for that to happen, and I'm going to pray for your daughter and her husband to... Uh, to become disciples and to raise that child in the church. But speaking of fear, let's go ahead and jump into our next question coming in from K-Dog. K-Dog writes this about the fear of the Lord. Hi, Father Josh. I've always wondered about the verses in the Bible which discuss fearing the Lord. For example, the Bible references that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139, or that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 111. Uh, as in 111. Uh, to me, the word fear doesn't seem like a word we should use when describing who God is or how we should feel towards him. Can you help a girl out? You're the bomb, as in D-A-B-O-M-B, uh, K-Dog. Yeah, so uh, uh, in the words of that old school song that many people sing in many of their parishes, uh, be not afraid, boom, I go before you always. Come and follow me, woo woo woo, and I was something, something. All right, so yeah, how about we ask our Holy Father, Pope Francis? Pope Francis will tackle this question for you and for me, K Dog. So this is what Papa Francesco says. Papa Francis says this in a general audience that he gave on June 11, 2014. He said, Fear of the Lord does not mean being afraid of God. We know well that God is Father, that He loves us and wants our salvation, and He always forgives, always. Thus, there's no reason to be scared of Him. Fear of the Lord instead is the gift of the Holy Spirit, through whom we are reminded of how small we are before God and of His love, and that our good lies in humble, respectful, and trusting self-abandonment into His hands. This is fear of the Lord, abandonment in the goodness of our Father who loves us so much. Oh, thank you, Pope Francis. That was that was very wise. And I agree with you 100 percent, Holy Father. Yes. Yeah, so the, the word fear is, is the expression of the fear of the Lord. It means to have awe and profound respect. It is one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the sacrament of baptism and confirmation, this gift is infused into our soul and increased as we receive the sacrament of reconciliation and the Eucharist throughout our walk toward eternity. And so fear helps us to have reverence and respect and awe before the God who loves us so much. So yes, um, do not be afraid, but do have fear for the Lord, do have awe and respect for the Lord, our God, and our walk toward him. So what do y'all think? Uh, do you have any additional advice for K-Dog? Uh, if so, hit me up at AskFatherJash at AssistantPress.com and let me know. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to dive into our final question. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it and make sense of it? A Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion? Now, for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. A Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, 
Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson to create the great adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study, or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy at ascensionpress.com. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. If you're feeling fancy, record a voice note, send it to me as well. You can also uh, rate and re- review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. You can share us on your social media pages. And you can purchase my new book, Pocket Guide to Adoration, available at AscensionPress.com and on Amazon.com as well. Final question comes in from Christina. Christina asks the question about explaining the Eucharist to a child. She says this, my son is six years old and wants to be a priest when he grows up. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I will pray for your son. Uh, He absolutely loves all things regarding the church and especially our priest. Today at Mass, he asked me about consuming Jesus. He sort of understands that the bread and the wine turns into the body and blood of Jesus, but how do I explain to him that this miracle is not disgusting, but a beautiful opportunity he will be able to receive next year? I believe it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, but how do I explain it to a six-year-old or, or 14, 9, and 4-year-old that this, is not a, that this is not cannibalism but a miracle? I hope this question makes sense. Thank you, Father Josh. I've learned so much from the podcast about our beautiful faith. I'm always praying for you and welcome your prayers for myself and my wonderful children I've been blessed with. Yes, Christina, God bless you and your wonderful, wonderful children. So how do we explain transubstantiation? where the bread and the wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Well, I think that um, something that could help you explain this is to uh, do a little philosophy, a little philosophy lesson real quick. Uh, And so with every sacrament, um, there's matter and form, but also, which we discussed on the last show, um, and so, but there's also substance and accidents um, with the the stuff. And so there, with the Eucharist, the substance of, of the Eucharist, it changes from bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. However, the accidents, the way the Eucharist appears, the way the Eucharist tastes, the way the Eucharist looks, they do not change. So if you drink a lot of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like if you drink a whole chalice, you might get tipsy. That's happened to me before, in fact. Um, On a few occasions, whenever I was in seminary, we had to um, consume all of, we not had to, we got to consume all the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, And I remember uh, it was some very strong accidents. And so the, it was very potent. And there were there were some chalices, man. Whoa! I remember there were times I had to like say I need to go take a nap, Lord, like because this was a lot. And so the accidents remain. So if you drink a lot of the precious blood, you you can get tipsy. Uh, the taste is still there. Uh, it still tastes like wine, looks like wine, it tastes like bread. If you're if you have some gluten issues, right? The, it's still gonna taste like bread, have the effects of bread. Uh, and so, but the substance is what changes. And so like an example would be like with a baby, uh, your baby boy who's six years old and wants to be a priest, whenever he was one, he looked different. However, he was always your son. Uh, say, say his name was John. He was always John. John was John when he was one. John was John when he was two, three, four, five, and he's still John when he's six. His substance has never changed. However, his accidents have changed. His appearance has changed. The way he 
looks has changed, his height, his weight, uh, the way he smells, right? As, as boys get older, they're, they're, we get a scent, and so that's why we start wearing deodorant at some point. And so all those are accidents. Those change, but the substance remains the same. However, with the Eucharist, it's the exact opposite. The, the substance is what changes. It's no longer bread, no longer wine. Uh, it becomes Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity, but the accidents will remain the same. And so we're not eating the accidents of human flesh. We're not drinking the accidents of, 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 of the, the blood. We're drinking the accident still tastes like wine. The, the, the Eucharist still tastes like bread, even though it's actually the body and blood of Christ. And so, um, yeah, I think that that could potentially help. You know, so even though we're consuming the substance of Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity, we're um, also still consuming the accidents, which include the texture, the taste, the effects of the bread and wine. And cannibalism... Um, uh, r- regarding humans consists of actually uh, eating the, the, the flesh and the blood of another human being. And when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, um, we are eating the substance of him, but the accidents of the bread and the wine, um, not the accidents of a human body, Does that, if that makes sense, right? So we don't like chew and taste the skin, the flesh. That would be, that would be awkward. So, uh, hopefully that helps you out. So yeah, it's, it's definitely the substance is Jesus, but the accidents remain the same. If that makes sense, hopefully. Let me know if that makes sense. Uh, I'm not I'm not a philosophy teacher, but you know I do love philosophy. Shout out to St. Thomas Aquinas. So let's go ahead and let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, oh God, you're so good. You have been doing so much. You're doing so much right now that we can't even see. Lord, I ask that you give me and, and all of my listeners the graces that we need to be totally docile to the movements of your Holy Spirit, to surrender, to let go, to not grasp to be docile to, to your will and your way and your time in our walk toward eternity. Lord, you want us to be saints. You desire for us to be saints. Give us an increase of that desire to long for you, to long for Jesus when we are awake and when we are asleep, when we are thinking, speaking, and acting. May we always do so in complete union with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Give us the grace that we need to abide, to abide in you, to abide in your presence, to perceive your presence in our relationships with our brothers and sisters who you allow us to accompany Lord, let us be a blessing to everyone that we encounter. Let us be a bridge for everyone that we encounter to be able to come to encounter you in and through their relationship with us. Jesus, we just are so grateful. We're so grateful that you have invited us to experience your love in the sacraments. I, I ask that you help all of us um, to, to, to want to be in a relationship with you in your sacraments, to to come back to your sacraments. If we've, if we've maybe strayed away for a while and not been present to you and your sacraments are faithful, Lord, I ask that you draw us to you and your sacrament of reconciliation um, in the blessed sacrament, Lord. Lord, just draw us to your, 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 your grace, by your grace, in your grace. Draw us to a relationship with you now and always and always and always. Never let us be um, away from you, Lord. Lord, you are enough. You are sufficient. You are good. You are good. You are good. Help us to... Help us to just be with you, to just be with you, to think of you, to visit you often, to be faithful, to be faithful to you, to be faithful to you in our walk toward eternity. We entrust our walk toward eternity, Father, to the intercession of your daughter, Mary, as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. God bless y'all. See y'all next week. And don't forget, order my new book, Pot Guide Adoration.